Hey, how many are looking forward to a, uh, you know, a great night? God just continuing to move. We really love uh, Matt. Matt is a great friend of Hope Center. He's an itinerant. He's a revivalist. He's a guy with a heart for the nations and a heart for this nation. And uh, we love you, mate. We love who you are. We love the fact you're super authentic and you're in love with Jesus and you're a revivalist. Why don't you put your hands together and give a great big welcome to Matt Lansdowne. Wow, it's so cool that your pastora is in that movie. Did you guys see the poster? Did you see Pastor Jody in the poster? Put that poster back up again. Can we put that back up? Matt, you were in the You didn't know that, did you? No, not that one. Not that one. The next one. See? Look at that. That is cool, eh? That is cool. I reckon he kind of, he kind of looks like me, but... Ah, <laughs> oh, Father. Um, well, thank you again for that worship. Thanks for showing up tonight. Do you know there's something amazing? <clears throat> that individually you're a child of God. And, and what, what, that, what that says is that is describing a relational position that you have before God as an individual. You can expect to relate to God the Father as a son or daughter. <clears throat> how, do you, how do you see that? You, and how do you know what to expect from that? You, you look at Jesus, the model son, and you look at the way that he walked with the Father. This is what I was talking about this morning. You look at the way that he walked with the Father... And you, and you look at his life and you go, that's available for me as an individual. That's, a, that's massive. You're a child of God. I don't know if you just let that sink in. It's easy to be in church for a little while, hear things like this, and let them go in one ear and out the other. But let it sink in for a second. You're actually a child of God. Not because you made yourself a child of God. Not because you filled in an application form and were accepted. You were actually chosen by God before you had the capacity to say yes or no to the choosing. Since before the foundation of the world, you were chosen. And yes, he did know everything about you. You might be thinking, yeah, 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 but. God doesn't see any of the buts. He ignores them all. And he just sees the you that he made. And he chooses you to be his son or daughter. And you have access to him as a father. He has not left you an orphan. You don't have to live as if you were on your own because you're not. You, you can live from this point on. And maybe you're already living in this way. But you can live from this point on knowing that when you step one step, the father steps with you in that one step. Ah, oh, that's good. But what's so cool about tonight is that what we are experiencing right now is this is, this is the bride. The church is referred to as the bride. As an individual, you're a son or daughter. As a church, you're the bride. That's a different kind of relational access. 
You can experience aspects of God when we are together like this that you cannot experience on your own. And this is what is so cool when we gather together. I, I was in my hotel, motel thing um, this afternoon, and I was just praying and worshiping and reading my Bible and just enjoying Jesus. And I was enjoying Jesus as a son, but tonight I was enjoying God in a different way because you're here and we're doing it together. And I want to see this spread over the nation of New Zealand. I want to see this spread over the world. I had a vision a little while back, and it was um, a whole bunch of fires being lit all over New Zealand. And there were like little dots. I was zoomed out. I could see the nation of New Zealand. I could see these. It was nighttime. I could see these little dots just all over the nation. And then God started to join the dots like a dot-to-dot drawing. And, uh, and when they were all joined, it was the face of Jesus. And, and I, you know, I want the face of Jesus to be shining in our nation. And that only happens when he shines in us first. And where we don't hide our light under a bushel. Um, Holy Spirit. So thank you so much for having me. Father, right now we thank you. Holy Spirit, we want you. Holy Spirit, we say yes. Holy Spirit, welcome. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, breathe on us. Holy Spirit, breathe on this city. Breathe on this region. Breathe on this town right now. Holy Spirit, breathe in our homes. Holy Spirit, stir our hunger on the inside of us. Whoa. Man, when you started singing, um, start, what was the words that you sang? Start with us. Start with me. Start with me. Something like that. Man, that was good. That was good. Like, let that echo in your soul right now. Feel those words right now. God, start with me. It's easy to sit in a group like this. I know what it's like to be sitting where you're sitting and listening to someone on a microphone, and you can feel passive. You can feel like my role in this is to listen. Your role right now is not to listen. Your role right now is to actively participate in the Spirit. Your role right now is to actually turn on your receive switch and to begin receiving the Spirit. Your role right now is to say in your heart, God, start with me right now tonight. Your role right now is not to behave and to, and, and, in order to not distract anyone. Your role tonight is to receive from God the Father by the Spirit. Ah, if you don't listen to one more word from this point on, but you just receive from the Spirit, you know, there's at least one person that's leaving here happy, and that's me. <laughs> Do you know, um, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. The blessing of hunger is not the actual fact that you're hungry. The blessing of hunger is the fact that the promise is you will be filled. And, you know, Bill Johnson says this. He says that, um, when you, in the natural, when you don't eat food, you get hungry. But in the spirit, the more you eat, the hungrier you get. And it's that old story of the do- the, there's a black dog and a white dog, and the dog that you feed the most is the dog that's going to be the strongest. And, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a promise and a destiny from God on the inside of you. There is, a, there is a promise, there is a covenant that God has made with you 
to walk with you every day of your life. And, and just because God says it, just because it's true, just because it's real, doesn't mean that you're experiencing the reality of what that, what that really is. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So if you are thinking in your heart something other than what God is saying, then your experience of life will be different to what God has designed for you. But if you instead say, God, I, I am going to feed the truth that you have put on the inside. I'm going to feed the promise of the covenant that you've made with me. I am going to feast my eyes, my soul, my insides on you, God. I'm going to, read, you know, in practical terms, read my Bible every day. I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to worship every day. I'm going to pray for the sick. I'm going to get around people that are going to feed that, and I'm going to feed it in others. The more you eat, the hungrier you get. And the hungrier you get, the more you eat. And the more you eat, the hungrier you get. And the hungrier you get, the more you eat. The more you eat, the hungrier you get. And the hungrier you get, the more you eat. And the more you eat, the more you realize that there's more to be eaten. <laughs> it's like being, it's like I remember being at the, at a, um, ba- at a, what do you call those things? Um, a buffet. A buffet when I was a little kid. And I remember like, we didn't go out to restaurants much when I was a little kid. And we went to this buffet and my parents said, it's 20 bucks, but you can eat whatever you want. And I remember thinking, oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. And, and of course, you, make the, you only make, this, mist- well, you make mist- this mistake probably for about 10 years, I reckon, the average person. <laughs> but then after that, you stop making this. And the mistake that you make is you get to the, fr- you get to the start and you take your plate and you go, man, that looks good. And you put heaps on. And then the next thing, man, that looks good, and you put heaps on. And the third thing, and there's another 50 things after that, and you've got no more space on your plate. And so then you get a second plate. But then you only have two hands. And then so you have to enlist your friends, your brothers and sisters, to help you carry the plates back to the table. And there's only so many brothers and sisters that can help you take plates because you also need to help them take plates. And you have a problem. This is what the kingdom of God's like. It's super abundant. It is way beyond anything you could ask or imagine. I'm just going to, I'm going to say that and I'm going to ask this question. Is that your experience? Are you experiencing the abundance of heaven in your life? Are you experiencing the abundance of the spirit in your life? Are you experiencing an overflow from heaven where you cannot contain it? I remember um, when we started Bethel Church in Whangarei, I remember we, we, um, we had a, one of our first services and a lady came in and she got, it was a service where um, I re, all I remember from it is I remember having the microphone and the joy of the Lord just came on me and I just couldn't stop laughing. <clears throat> and then everyone fell off their chairs and started laughing. And there was about probably, I don't know, 70 or 80 people there. And one of the ladies, she got up after that, after about an hour on the floor, and she stood up and she walked outside. And on her way to her car, she hit an invisible wall, which we discerned later was an angel. And she fell on the car park floor, and she, st- she could not get up off the... She was just deep in the presence. She couldn't get off the tarmac. It was pitch black, like in the middle of Carmo Whangarei, like not the safest area. And so um, her car's there. We had to leave her car there, put her in someone else's car. Two people had to take her home, carry her up her stairs, open a door for her, put her into her house, close the door and lock the door and check on her the next day. 
because she was gone burgers. And that's an abundance. That's a beyond what her physical body could, could cope with of the glory of God. There is so much promise over you. There is so much prom- there's so much promise over our nation. Do you know you are the light bearers of your nation? We are light bearers for our nation. Without us shining light, there is only darkness. You know, you are now the light of the world. Christ in you is the hope of glory. We behold His glory as in a mirror and are transformed into the same image, even from glory to glory. You are the hope of glory. Well, I should say Christ in you. Not Christ in someone else, somewhere else. In you. Um. I mentioned something this morning that I wasn't planning to mention, and when I mentioned it, I felt like it had way more weight on it than what I was than the time I had to talk about it. And what I said this morning was, "What are you willing to tolerate? What are you willing to tolerate?" And um, I'm, I'm thinking a, a whole bunch of stories just come to mind as I say that. But I, I remember reading a John G. Lake. You always hear me probably mention John G. Lake because I always mention John G. Lake. But I, was, I remember reading a John G. Lake story, and it's a story of, um, of uh, I can't remember exactly what it was. Someone might remind me. But he had um, like an issue with his leg from memory. I might get some of the details wrong. But he, he had, um, I think it was like half a big family, lots of brothers and sisters, and half of his brothers and sisters died at a young age, which is pretty normal back then. And, um, and it was lots of sadness, lots of dev- devastation, lots of sickness in his family. And I mean, it was just, obviously, that's a real tough thing to go through as a family. And he had this thing where he couldn't walk properly. He had a problem with his leg where he was kind of half crippled. And, um, and he started to experienced God, he started to read scripture, he started to understand that as a Christian, as a son of God, this was not for him, that this busted leg was trespassing on God's property. And he decided one day, I am not going to tolerate this anymore. And he started to pray and take authority over the sickness in his leg. And the power of God came on him, and his leg straightened out and became completely healed. And, and his words were this, I left that room that day like a Christian. I left that room that day as a Christian. And, and my, my question to you is, what are you willing to tolerate? You know, there is, there is sickness, and there's sickness in the church. What are we as a church willing to tolerate? You know, John G. Lake would send his, he called them the healing technicians. He would send them out. And do you know that they were not allowed to come back from their assignment until the person was healed? I'm not suggesting that we necessarily do that, but I'm just saying (laughs) they had a really high hit rate. And what, what was the reason behind it is because they had decided we will not tolerate the works of darkness. We will not tolerate the works of the enemy. Sickness is never from God, and we will not tolerate it on our watch. Yes. 
Like, what are we willing to tolerate in our city? Like, I think, I think we get to decide how hot the oven is. <laughs> we get to decide where the volume switch gets tapped out. We get to decide um, at what level the dam is open. I remember having a vision a little while back, and in the vision there was a wine glass, and heaven was pouring out new wine into the wine glass, and it was slowly filling up, and Jesus said to me, say when. <laughs> and, and I started to feel, whoa, 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 whoa. And, then I, I, and he was like, say when, just say when, just say when. When you're done, I'm done. You just say when. And I said, God, I please help me to never, ever, 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 ever say when. But, but what, are, what are you tolerating? Are you tolerating something less than being fully consumed in him? I mentioned this at the youth the other night, but I was in Melbourne a little while ago, a few years ago now, and, um, and how many love signs and wonders? Signs and wonders are so cool, signs point to things, and it's cool when you look where they're pointing. And we were in Melbourne, and I told a story of a dog being raised from the dead, which is another story. And um, there was a lady there, uh, she would have been in probably her 30s or 40s, and she was a biologist. And she didn't tell me this at the time, but she, um, that morning before coming into the ministry school that I was teaching at, it was about 10 o'clock in the morning, um, two of her goldfish had died of a virus. And what she had done, being a good biologist and being someone that specialized in viruses, is she had put the two goldfish, dead goldfish, in a Ziploc bag. She had um, squeezed all the moisture out of it. She had zipped the bag shut. She had folded it in half like a taco, so there were two sides of the bag. She had put it in a rubbish bin with a lid on it, and she had come to the ministry school. And um, so she's at the ministry school. She hears the story of the dog being raised from the dead, and she's like, wow, God. You know, one of the interpretations of the word testimony is do it again. And she was like, she had heard that as well, and she was like, do it again. Do it again. We're watching this movie. Well, you guys are watching the movie, and I wish I could join you. But do it again. And she was like, God, if you raise a dog from the dead... She's like, I never even considered animals. I thought it was only for humans, but if you do animals too, I've got two goldfish at home. And, and, and so, um, so she goes through the whole day at the school, and then Melbourne's a big city, so she couldn't just get home, so she had to go out for dinner. She got home about 10 o'clock at night, 10 in the morning to 10 o'clock at night. And she gets home and she says, um, she's telling me the story the next morning. She says, I was a little bit nervous to lift the bin, um, the lid off the bin, because I didn't know what to do if, if they had been, if they were alive again. And I didn't want to be disappointed if they were still dead. So I, I was kind of between a rock and a hard place. And so she lifted the lid off the bin. And what had happened is there was, um, as I said, the bag was folded like a taco in half. And there was one goldfish on one side, one on the other side. One of the sides of the bag was supernaturally filled with water, um, probably about that much water, and there was a live goldfish swimming around on that side of the bag. On the other side of the bag, it was still bone dry, and the fish was still dead. And she told me this story, and I said that this is a sign. This is a prophetic sign for the church. 
And it's just as much of a sign now as it was then. It's just as true now as it was then. And this is the sign. You, you, are, you are the goldfish, and here's the water. And goldfish were designed for the water. They weren't designed to be dried out and squashed in a plastic bag in a rubbish bin. They were designed to swim in the glory. And without the glory, you die. Moses in, in Exodus 33 was being sent forward by God into the promised land. And, and he said to God, if your presence don't, doesn't go with me, do not send me. Can you, let's just pause that. Decades of promise, decades of struggling with these people that he's trying to lead into this promise he's trying to convince them of. And they're stiff-necked people. They keep looking back to Egypt and say, oh, God, these guys are so difficult to lead. Can we just get into the promised land, please? Because I'm afraid no one's going to make it. You've got to imagine this is kind of what it's like for Moses, right? And now he has the opportunity to go, and he could have just gone, but he says this, it's nothing is worth anything unless you go with me. How will they know that we're your people unless you're actually with us? You can't just send an angel. You can't just send this or that. You can't just send me with the anointed. I don't want to just go with the gifts. You must go with me. And Moses was a man who was unwilling to tolerate a life outside of experiencing the actual presence of God in his daily walk. What are you willing to tolerate? Do you know that God is in this room right now? Holy Spirit is covenanted to you. Jesus is committed to you. He has chosen you. <laughs> Do you know, uh, uh, <laughs> Jesus said in, in John 14, is it? He said, um, I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house, there are many rooms, and I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I will come and bring you to myself. Do you, know, do you know one way of understanding that is that in his house, there are many rooms, and you are the house of God. The church is the house of God, and in his house, there are many spaces. There are many, the word um, monet means, a, um, well, which is um, mansions or rooms, that literally just means a dwelling place or garden. In his house, there are many dwelling places for God to dwell in. God dwells in not just one place, but many places in his house. And you are a room in the house of God. You are a dwelling place within the house of God, and God dwells with you. The cool thing about what I just said is I didn't even make that up. You don't need to take that from me. That's just, the, that's just the solid truth. You know, our experience of life is not necessarily what's real, but it's what we believe to be real. And when we, when we allow God to shape our beliefs based on what He says is true, then our experience of life comes into alignment with what we choose to believe. Choose to believe because you're powerful to choose. That's awesome, right? Now, I'm just going to let you know that I believe God's with me. But I also know that I could believe 
even deeper that God's with me and experience it at a deeper level. There is a greater depth available to me. Oh, you, you, you get to say when. I haven't said when yet. I, I'm not prepared to believe that what I'm experiencing right now, what I've experienced up to this, to this day, is, where it, is, is the level that's available. I, I'm not prepared to accept that. I'm only prepared to accept that it just gets eternally deeper every step we go, every day we live on, that there is an internal depth in God that we get to continually experience more of as he shapes our belief system to come into alignment with him. Shabbat. You are the light of the world. You are lights in this world. I remember I'm talking to this girl a little while back. And, um, and she was at a bus stop and all her friends were smoking drugs and drinking. And um, one of them wanted to steal my shoes. I might have told this story. It's, the, it's kind of a story that really showed me something. And um, I had a prophetic word for this girl. And I, I said, excuse me, um, you know, her friend was there trying to steal my shoes, like just before you steal my shoes. And I just um, had a word for this girl. And I said, I see you with, um, in between two sisters and you're bridging peace between your two sisters and you're a singer and you're singing. And it's super powerful. Your voice is really powerful. You have the capacity to write songs. And she started crying. And she said, I'm the middle sister of three sisters and I, and I write music and that's what I do. And, I, and, I, um, and my sisters are always fighting and I'm always bringing peace. And then she said this thing to me. She said, do you know what? No one has ever told me who I am. Now, you are the light of the world. Without light, all there is is darkness. What is darkness? Darkness is what you experience when you have to make up your own opinion about yourself based in the void of, of, of the fact that there's no one with authority telling you or showing you who you are. There's no light. And so for the first time in her life, what she was saying is, you're shining light on me, and now I can see me. Someone's affirming me. And she started to cry, and most of those kids that night gave their lives to Jesus. No one's ever told me who I am. Like, what are you willing to tolerate, not just in your life, but in the lives of the people that you walk past? Do you know the world, people without Jesus are walking around in darkness. (laughs) They can't see, but you can see. And you can show them, you can shine a torch on their life and you can say, this is who you are. And something in them resonates with that. It's like in my, um, in my house, I, um, my, <sighs> I like to give this illustration because it's, it's, it's exactly what it's like. Is my daughter, my, well, two of my daughters shared a room and they had this wardrobe. And in, their, in this wardrobe was like their favorite place to play. It had all the dresses and lego and all the cool stuff in the wardrobe and they used to play in there all day there was a season where they'd play dress up like all day play with their lego they would just be in and out of that wardrobe all day and um and then at night time we would you know the sun would go down we'd turn the light off and for a season of about three or four months my eldest daughter would always come out and she'd say dad can you please shut the wardrobe door there's a monster in the wardrobe and i'd be like there's definitely 100 percent not a monster in the wardrobe and she'd, like, she'd be like, there's 100% definitely a monster in the wardrobe. 
you definitely need to shut it and lock it because something's moving in the wardrobe. It actually may have been a rat, but, um, <laughs> but you kind of get the point. And um, so what I would need to do is I would need to turn the light on and I would need to say, hey, look, I'm going to turn the light on. I'm going to show you that it's just the same as it was when the light was on. When you don't have light, all you are left with is your own darkened imagination to determine who you are. And you see monsters in the wardrobe. You see things that aren't there. And you begin to live. People all over Wellington are living under the illusion of what is not. They're living under the illusion of what is not. But Jesus is sending you out as lights in this world to shine light into people's lives. To bring the love of God and the truth of God into people's lives so that they can actually begin to partner with who they are. They can actually begin to come into agreement with who they are. It, it is, and it is just so, so, so simple. You don't have to have words of knowledge. Like you can just tell people that they're loved. You can treat people the way that they are without even using words. What are you willing to tolerate in your city? You know, there's this whole, um, I'm going to pray in a second. I'm going to mention something that, I, that is becoming more and more um, controversial to mention, which, is, which to me is fascinating. But we've got this whole LGBTQ thing going on. And that agenda is for real. I have never, personally, to to me, I'm not going to make any jokes about this. It is like a a violent and forceful agenda. And um, I was in Berlin, um, which is one of the LGBTQ capitals of the world. And um, I was was having to block my kids from looking at billboards of like obscene sexual scenes, homosexual sexual scenes on the main streets of Berlin, like massive billboards. It's just like, whoa, kids, look over there. Like, it was uh, serious. And they, they were just, my friends are just telling me they're just opening up the first um, LGBTQ kindergarten for kids that are growing up in, in, with two mums or two dads. And I, and I just felt my heart start to weep. Like, oh, my gosh, this is, this is such a void of identity that's in our world right now. There's such perversion such a, such a tearing away of the original version, version, such a tearing away of the original blueprint that God had in mind for humanity that there's just this twisting and this turning and this, this absolute violent assault on identity. There is a darkness that's not just passive, but that's aggressively trying to smother people's homes, trying to smother schools, trying to smother universities. And it's not just the LGBTQ thing, but that's one of the clearest examples to look at. Because it is aggressively getting its claws in everything. And that's just the truth. And God started to show me, and I saw, I, I saw the rainbow, you know, the, the rainbow thing. And, um, and God started to show me, like, he said, there's only six colors on that rainbow. There's only six colors on that rainbow. On my rainbow, there's seven. And on that one, there's only six. And he started to tell me, like, seven if you talk to any Hebrew person, any Hebrew scholar, seven is considered the number of God. It's the number of completion, the number of fullness, the number of rest. 
It's the number of God. It's a God number, and six is the number of man. And, it's, and God started to say, this, this is what's happening. And it's not just an LGBTQ thing, but you can see it clearly in this realm, is that there are two forces at work. One is where I am going to be the decider of who I am. I'm my own boss. I am the one that identifies who I am. I'm the one that makes up who I am. I can be whatever I want to be. I can be whoever I want to be. I can do whatever I want to do. I can... If I want to be, if I'm a man and I want to be a woman, I can just do that. Because I choose, because I'm the boss, I'm the Lord of me. And self is at the center. Man is at the center. Man is God. And the other force at work is the force that's work in this room, and that's God. And he's the seventh color. He's the full rainbow. <laughs> he's the full rainbow, and, and he is the potter that made every pot that's on earth. And how long will this world contend against its potter? How long will this world um, determine that it's, that it's, it's a, the identifier of itself, the determiner of its own identity? How long will it strive against the potter, the master, the maker? As long as it takes for us to shine the light. You cannot be whoever you want to be. You are who you are. You cannot be whoever you want to be. You can either be who you are or you can be a perversion of yourself. And God does not give grace or empowerment to you if you are living out of a perversion of yourself or a wrong version of yourself. All you have available to you if you decide to partner with a perverted version of yourself or a wrong version of yourself is disgrace. Or a lack of grace. But what happens for this girl, like I was saying, that I prophesied over, and people like her, that we, that we speak into their lives and we're light to them and we love on them and we bring Jesus to them and we, and we treat them the way God treats them. We love on them the way God loves on them. We pray for them when they're sick. We believe for miracles. We don't tolerate cancer in the hospitals. We, we live lives like Jesus. What begins to happen is that People begin to realize, oh my gosh, this is who I am, and they feel grace. When that's called out in them and they, respond, they, 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 they put a little bit of agreement on that, what happens is they feel grace. Grace comes on them. The empowerment of God to do something that you couldn't do before you had the grace. Grace comes on them to be themselves. Light imparts grace. And grace disarms the enemy. What, what did he say to the mountain? You've mentioned it before. Grace. Grace. That, that's, that's an authority move. When there's a mountain that can't be moved, Zerubbabel, grace, grace. Say grace. That's authority. When you give grace to someone, you, you impart God's authority over them. So my question again is this, what are you willing to tolerate? And when will you say when? And what's enough for you? What's enough for you? You're in a pumping church. You have amazing leaders, amazing leadership team here, incredible musicians. You have an awesome youth ministry. You have, um, you have stuff going on. Like this, this place is pumping, but how much is enough for you? 
I mean, I'm not saying don't be thankful for what you've got, but when do you say when? Do you know, like, hmm. do you know, we're like an inch away from just blowing up. Like, <laughs> do you know, oh, like, I'm saying, like, I think about this. They won't let me, uh, I, I have been unallowed in hospitals at, to this point in New Zealand. Um, not because I go, they just, they just seem to bust me. I haven't tried too lately, but they, I've just been like, I've just been busted so many times. But in the Philippines, I remember going to the hospitals in the Philippines, and they started now inviting me to come. There were four hospitals that invite me every year to come because they had too many sick people, and they said, can you bring your team every year and just clear the hospital out? <laughs> and, I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen an entire hospital cleared out, but like multiple wings of like 40, 50 people in a wing, just completely. I remember one that was a dengue fever ward. It was the whole entire ward of probably 40, 50 people. And I remember going in and praying for them. And they were, they were so sick that you could see they couldn't even move. They were like white and, and half dead, like just bad way, fully in hospital. And I remember one by one would go from bed to bed and they would jump up on their bed and start dancing on the bed. Like, <laughs> and they were dancing on their beds and it was, ended up being like 40 or 50 people dancing on their beds and all their families like, whoa! And they were like, where all the food came out, it became like a feast in the hospital wing and the nurses were coming in, we were prophesying over the nurses and then the doctors and everyone was like, oh my gosh. You know, we're an inch away. We're, we're a gnat's whisker away. I, I mean, it, what, you know, it, it's, like, it's like the difference between that and that is not much. The difference between not pulling the trigger and pulling the trigger is not much. Like the fingers on the trigger, that's not much. Your fingers on the trigger, that's not much. It doesn't take much to pull the trigger. Imagine if you just all pulled the trigger. <laughs> Imagine if straight after this, if some of you are like, I'm going to the accident emergency ward. <laughs> that used to be one of my favorite places to go, the accident emergency ward. And I did get busted a number of times. <laughs> but I know when we were living in Reading, they used to let us go there. They would love us going there. And so it was, oh man, it was one of the best places to go. If you want to learn how to heal the sick, I recommend. If you want to, if you want to see a move of miracles in this church, I just recommend... Go with love and honor, but just start visiting the accident emergency wards. Just start going there and just start with love and honor and respect. Just start praying for people. There's not much. What are you willing to tolerate? What am I willing to tolerate? What are we willing to tolerate? When do you say when? God, I'm, I'm not willing to go into the next season without your manifest presence. We must have more. You must have more. You need more. And the cool thing is you have more available. It's just like that. You just say when. Can we have the worship? Can you guys come on up? Whoa. Man, I had a lot more I was going to say, but that got away on me. Jesus. 
I honestly, your job right now is to receive, by the way. I feel like throwing this water at you. You wouldn't be the first. I <laughs> know. <laughs> it's happened to me here. <laughs> and also oil. Yeah. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Taste and see. Just take a drink right now. How do you do that? What, what, what do I even mean? I mean, just, just open your heart to the Spirit right now. Open your heart to the Spirit right now. Just, just start to hear that sucking sound from within your heart just drawing on the Spirit right now. Just drawing on Him. There's grace for you. There's grace for you. <laughs> Jesus. Shukaramaka. <laughs> Jesus. 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 Just lock eyes with Jesus right now. Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. 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 There is something about that name. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. You're enough for us, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. <laughs> Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Yes, God. <laughs> Jesus. 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 Just a couple of things on my heart right now. One is... I believe that miracles are available in this room tonight. <laughs> miracles are available in this room tonight. There's um, a lady here and you have like extreme um, pain in your stomach. Uh, maybe it's now, but you get it often. Um, and Jesus is healing you right now. You're going to begin to feel. I believe you're going to be. I see God's hand on you. And I, I feel like you're going to begin to feel the insides of your stomach start to turn around. Like there's going to be like a swirling that you're going to begin to experience in your stomach. And God is freeing you on the inside. And I break that spirit of infirmity off of you right now in the name of Jesus. 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 In the name of Jesus.
That spirit is broken over you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Whoo. Someone else, um, uh, whoa. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, someone with a right ankle. Uh, you've all got right ankles. Someone with, um, with pain in their right ankle. Who's got pain in their right ankle right now? But does it move properly? Does he need healing or? Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. So just, just receive. Just maybe the people around you just put hands on you and yeah. Or just right now, I just, whoo. Let's release your healing power right now, Jesus. I command the pain to leave in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, release the kingdom of God. <laughs> On every single person with pain in their ankle. Um, another person here, you got like pain in your jaw. It's on the right side of your jaw. Who's that? On the right side of your jaw. You get pain like right up in here. Who is that? Is that you? <laughs> you got people putting your hand up for you. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Jesus. Yes, Lord. No more pain. No more pain. I just release right now healing in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. If you need it, whoa. I'm just going to say this. There's something right here. <laughs> you, you try it. Just try it. Anyone can try it. Yes, this is good. Do it. Do it, Jesus. Yep. If you need a, if you need a miracle in this room, if you need a miracle in this room, just um, just stand up right now. Whoa. And then once we've done this, we're just going to shift gear into something else, and then we'll finish. But. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, I, don't, I just want you to put, if you're being healed right now, which is in fact what you're doing if you're standing, you are being healed right now. If you're being healed right now, I just want you to put your attention on Jesus because it's Jesus that's going to heal you. It's Jesus that's going to heal you. It's Jesus that's going to heal you. Jesus is your healer. Jesus is your healer. Jesus is your healer. Holy Spirit. I take authority right now over every spirit of infirmity over this room right now, over any person here. 
and I bind you in the name of Jesus. And I release the peace of God right now in Jesus' name over your bodies. Whoa. Right now in the name of Jesus. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, Miracles, Lord, in this room. Miracles, 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 miracles. Miracles. We release the angelic in this room right now. <laughs> Not just in that little spot there, but we release all over the room right now to just begin to minister to people that are needing healing right now in the name of Jesus. Whoa. <laughs> Jesus. 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 And I just see, um, as you guys are standing there, we're just going to shift gear. I just want you to continue just to be healed. Just receive that from Him. Receive that from Him. I feel like one of my, kind of my main assignment in coming down this weekend is to encourage you and to challenge you forward into the next thing that God has for you. I know, I know that my role has not been to give some big revelation of something new, but it's just to simply encourage you forward and to, and to put gasoline on the fire that already is in this room. And I, and I know that's why I'm here and the reason that God has sent me down here. And I just see in heaven there's like a stirring spoon, like God, God's got a big stirring stick. And I see him like, like pouring hunger into the, into the recipe, and he's just stirring hunger into you. He's stirring expectation and hope. I would have lost heart unless I had, had um, expected to see, uh, unless I had, oh man, I've lost the verse. The goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's right. Unless I had, yeah, that's it. And there's hope being stirred in you. There's expectation. There's, and, and, you know, my prayer is that you don't lose it tomorrow. My prayer is that you steward it tomorrow and see that hope spring up into something manifest in Wellington. My prayer is that next time I come down later on this year, that I'd hear stories of A&Es being turned upside down, of hospital wings being absolutely disturbed by the goodness of God, that I'd hear stories of marriages restored, of, 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 of addictions broken. And I know I'm hearing those stories already, but that they would amp up. They would multiply. And that each and every single one of you would have the stories, not just a few. If you feel... What I want to do now is we're going, to, we're going to finish with a song from the amazing team. And what I want to do is I just, I just want to bless what God's doing in you. And I want to agree with your hunger for more. I want to agree with your hunger for more. I want to, I want to stand with God and put my hand on the stirring stick of God. <laughs> And I want to say yes to the stirring that's happening on the inside of you. I want, to, I want to stand in this room right now with you. And I want to pray and bless you and say, God, may these people never recover. 
May they never recover. And so you guys ready for a song? Okay, we're going to start the song. And as we sing, I'm just going to invite you if, you, if you're just like, I want more. I want more. <laughs> Simple as that. I want more, God. I want to experience more of you in my life. I'm not satisfied. I'm thankful, but I'm not satisfied. I want more. This is primarily between you and God, and my role in it is just to say, yes, Jesus, I agree with this. I bless this. And myself and some of the leaders, we're just going to lay hands on you, and we're just going to bless you with the more. Some of you are going to feel, I believe, like one of the things I felt as I was praying in my hotel just before coming, is I felt like God's going to actually show you and bring you into an experience of His light. He's going to bring you into an experience of His light. And it's what Paul was talking about, where some of you feel like you're floating and then being pulled back down. Some, I feel like God's just going to cut the string and take you right up into the light. That lightness, you're going to literally feel like light shining on the inside of you. Spaciousness open up on the inside of you from the Lord. And so we're good to go. Father, wreck us. Just pray this out to me. Say, Father, wreck me. Put your hand on the person next to you. Say, Father, wreck them. Ruin them for anything other than everything you have for them, Lord. Whoa. 